Today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by Dr. Carlo Bayraktarian. Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is Dernarek, the pastor of St. Sarkis Church. And this is Vahd Buzdikyan, the co-host of the show. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Let us start our show and our day with the scriptures. And today we are reading from the book of Psalms. Der hovesezis, yev ich vochbagasessi. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We started the Alpha course this past week at St. Sarkis Church. What are your thoughts? You were one of the people who attended. I did. I attended, and I think I approached you earlier in the week, and I was like, Deadhide, you were talking about the Alpha course for the youth and the youth ministry, and why are we doing it with the, with the adults, with uh, the members of the church? I was surprised. What was, tell me a little bit, walk me back here. Tell me a bit about the So the it turns out that there are two different Alpha courses and we at St. Sarkis Church are implementing both of them. We started the one with the young, uh, with the youth club, with Connect uh, a month ago and it's been going very well. But initially when um, we were thinking about the Alpha course, the thought was to implement it for the parish. Oh. It was for, for every everyone. And then as I... 
learned more about Alpha, I discovered that there was the youth uh, version of it. So we started implementing the youth first. But um, Alpha has been around for such a long time, almost um, 40 years now. It started in 1977. Wow. And uh, it has gone through phases of development. And the one that we are showing now is the most current version. It, and can you give us a bit about where it originates like alpha I, I suspect for those who weren't here it was a gentleman with a british accent i don't know his name nick Nicky nicky gumble gumble right. right now he is um the pastor and he is running um the alpha course it is based um in in england and before him in the 70s when they started it was somebody else but the idea has been always consistent always the same is to introduce and teach people the basic um, message, the basic teachings of the Bible. And it has worked very well to a point that so many different churches, you know, um, evangelical, Orthodox, and Roman Catholics have implemented um, Alpha at some point in their life, in, in, in the life of their parishes. And millions of people have seen this. I know there was one Armenian church... Um, that Adam used this years ago in, in the Whitensville community, and he he was so happy with the results. But I don't know if anybody else in the East Coast has used Alpha. But um, how was it for you to be part of uh, the audience and and see the first the introduction? I would say I enjoyed it. Uh, it was very enlightening for me to have that experience within the confines of the Armenian Church. Uh, hadn't really had that type of um, both the instructional aspect of it as well as the free-flowing dialogue pertaining to our faith. And I know this was just the introductory one, but I, I felt like it was a very solid kickoff, laid some foundations for us in the future to sort of cultivate some additional discussions on this. So I was uh, I was pretty nervous, you know, um, with the general congregation. We have never done something like this. And we had Anushavan Sarpazan, who was uh, present here with us. He presided over the services. He was mm -hmm. part of um, the program also. And, you know, when you have uh, your, your superiors, you get extra nervous. But, <laughs> and, you know, I was nervous because I was not sure what to expect from the people who participated. And our producer, Mr. Greg, he came, he did the audio setup. Uh, the speakers worked very fine. So, um, basically, when Nicky Gumbel got up there and he started telling his story, how you know he would never imagine himself doing this, and how he uh, heard the message one day and his life was changed, and the way that he spoke, you know, uh, even with the jokes that he was um, he was trying to make or he made actually, created a level of comfort. And everyone, at some point, I'm looking at the congregation. Everyone was was engaged. So. The introduction was basically Nicky Gumbel speaking about um, different topics and mainly speaking about Jesus Christ, who is um, the way, who is the life. And he concentrated heavily on that, but the analogies that he used was so refreshing. You know, For so many people, including myself, it felt like, wow, we all needed this. I, I particularly liked the lens analogy where he said, he was having trouble, or he didn't even recognize that he was having trouble seeing. And he went to the optometrist and went, the moment he put the glasses on, he realized, I can see the world in such vivid color. I can see the distinct 
differences in the leaves and and the sky is so much deeper blue and he compared that to the vision that we have the lens by which we see the world is Jesus so to me that was probably the most important takeaway and it resonated with a lot of the people the participants uh, they reflected back there but to me um, along with that analogy my favorite was um, when he was explaining the truth Jesus Christ and he gave the analogy of the book and you know he said he's been married to his wife for 37 years and he loves he appreciates everything about his wife but he mm -hmm. said if I were to read a book about my wife in the library you know I would believe that you know there exists a, a lady like that who you know um, but to know that in person to experience to it. experience that that yeah. is the truth so it was really refreshing, and um, we had a good, good people. A good group. I don't know. We had what do we think? About 60, 70 people. Yeah. About. I'm hoping yeah. that uh, as we progress, the same people would continue to come, and more people would come. What was the feedback you got? I would say most of the people who were here, they came and they um, thanked us for thinking about something like this. They felt that this was, you know, something that was long overdue, and it's about time for us to start investing into this kind of programs because. The more we know about our faith, the better I think we are. So Alpha is working for us. Uh, it's working for our youth club. As I reflected Sunday, um, two weeks ago when we had a social event without the Alpha, kids, or the youth hmm. members, I should say, they were complaining, where's the video today? There's no video? So that tells me that they are really enjoying. And this past Friday... Um, I saw a change because they started opening up and telling more about, you know, their issues and asking uh, questions that were a little bit deeper than usual, mm -hmm. which is always a great thing. And um, the way that the, that the setup is done is very uh, engaging there because we start with dinner. We always serve food and then the alpha program. And then after that, it's the music. And that is a big deal with, for them. We have Greg, um, who generously has brought his drum set. Uh, we have a big um, guitar amp. I, uh, is that the Metallica amp, Greg? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's one of the... It's a headbanger, heavy, heavy it metal is, amp. It is, it is. It's a Meza Boogie? Yeah? <laughs> yeah it's a okay, boogie. okay. So... And, and we who, have, who typically plays guitar? We have like, Greg, who sometimes plays the guitar. We have Christopher Magarian. Yeah, Christopher is he great. He plays the guitar. And this week, uh, I know that Levon Zohrabian is coming to play the drums. So it's going to be another good Friday for uh, our youth. And Tony Marino, who is a professional singer, was with us. And he performed. Um, everyone was very... They, they liked very much what they, what they witnessed. So... Nine o'clock, I wanted to go home, but ki kids were still there. I had to sh turn off the lights and tell them. I guess you're no spring chicken anymore, Dead Hide. <laughs> not when you have, after these long weeks. Not when you have three kids. Yeah. <laughs>
Zedhai, two weekends ago, we had a very special visitor here in our midst, here at the Prelacy. Vehapad Adam I joined us on his pontifical visit, and we celebrated his 20 years since his coronation. And it was truly a, a, a magnificent weekend, I must say, because I had, from my perspective, I want to tell you, I had this unique opportunity to actually have an interaction, direct interaction with Vahapad and to meet with him as in my capacity, along with you, um, with the executive council, the Prelacy Executive Council. So for me, that was a, a great experience, just having that interaction, conversation with him, a lot more intimate, and getting his views on, on things that are happening day to day here in the life of the Armenian Prelacy here in Eastern um, region of the United States. Sure, Adam Vahapar was here, as you all know, and uh, we celebrate his 20th anniversary of his consecration as our Catholicos, which took place in 1995, and we spoke about this last week. And he arrived on Saturday, Saturday the 8th, and we, as Vah mentioned, uh, as part of the Executive Council, we uh, we had a brief meeting with him. And uh, how was it like for you, Vah, to be with Vahapar in, in a very intimate setting? We we had dinner together, and then uh, mm-hmm. we spent maybe an hour uh, discussing different topics uh, about our prelacy in our churches. Uh, like I said, it was an incredibly unique opportunity for me, uh, not having had that interaction with the leadership in the church. And to to be able to offer perspectives and to have a conversation, a dialogue with him. Because typically, as parishioners and as members of the church, we hear the the message that's conveyed from the altar. And of course, we're always such a prolific speaker. We're always impressed with the message that he has to convey. But to have that direct interaction, um, you know, was very enlightening. Sure. And the following day, uh, the Divine Liturgy was celebrated at uh, St. Svartana Church, and we had parishioners from all over the place, uh, and also from uh, St. Sarkis Church, who went there to witness Vahapar celebrating the Divine Liturgy. And uh, it was very inspiring, you know, when when you see all the clergy and the choir performing at their best, Vahapar giving an inspiring message it becomes a sensation, and uh, it was very well organized. The weather was not very um, cooperative that day. We didn't have, uh, it was basically raining that day. We had to cut the Rashapar part, but the Badarak in itself was very good. And one thing um, that uh, I've, I've seen last year when Valper was here, and this year, especially when he was visiting the parishes, when he is in a parish church, his tone is so different. Is more kind of relaxed, and he speaks to the people, and mm-hmm. I was able to, to witness that again. Mm-hmm. And the feedback that I heard was, uh, he spoke very well, you know. And one thing that well, I he liked, always <laughs> speaks well. I mean, <laughs> that's course. to be expected. But I, I agree with you. I didn't consider that, but it felt a lot more intimate yeah. with him there, and he was speaking directly to the crowd as opposed to giving a a speech that's to be projected across you know sure like if you compare hundreds his of speeches it might be. from last year uh, in Washington and right. then right. you know this in in a parish church it was very very different and the weekend was capped off by a very well attended and great setting a banquet that was uh, given in his honor uh, with a very extensive program great speeches and we're going to hear 
from one of the speakers representing the youth perspective from Tamar Kanarian, who's going to be interviewed in a few minutes. Uh, and also, of course, um, an overview. And, and this was an opportunity for the church and for the community here to recognize Adam I for his contributions and to pay uh, homage to him, to appreciate what he's done for the Armenian people and for the Armenian church. What was unique about the program was the fact that after the cocktail hour, we went to the main hall and there was nothing on the tables. So it was only mm -hmm. the program. And that was really good because um, everyone was concentrating on the program. And the the keynote speaker of the day was Anusha Van Serpazan, mm -hmm. who spoke in Armenian. And um, it was the, 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 the speech that he prepared was beautiful. It was very poetic. It was uh, very uplifting, and I know um, they requested the text of, of his speech to be published um, at the Hask, the official uh, publication of, of the Armenian Catholic Osate, and I really, really enjoyed it. I know there were translations distributed for uh, non-Armenian-speaking people to, to follow what Anusha Vassarpazan was saying. And then Aram Veapar, uh, he got up to, to deliver his message, and... He started with humor, and he said, yeah. <laughs> He was very impressed with the, the patience of the audience to sit through an hour and a half's worth of presentations with nothing to eat or drink. Sure. You know what I like about him? I was going to say this, and I forgot about it. I like the fact that he changes between Armenian to English on the fly without you know finishing one part and then heading to the other it's you know it's really flawless and i really like that in in, in his style he has perfected that style i guess that's from his ecumenical training having being in the, the world council of churches and in such a leadership capacity for so many years he's probably perfected that ability to communicate in multiple languages sure and he does that in a very a very good manner so it was a very well-attended event, and uh, we thank everyone who was involved in organizing, and uh, we look forward to seeing Sarpaza, I mean, to seeing Aram Veapar visiting us. One thing that um, I heard, and I want to share this with our listeners, a parishioner uh, came and, and he said, well, we ha we're not used to seeing Vehapar uh, so often. You know, back in the day when we were young, seeing Vehapar was once-in-a-lifetime thing for us. And I said, I guess we, ne we need to get used to this new reality because obviously Vapor understands and he knows how important our parishes uh, are here for, for him. And the fact that he is communicating with us, he is paying special attention, visiting us, and being concerned about our well-being, it's, it's a wonderful thing. And we need to benefit from the attention that uh, has been given to us. Two things that I took away from the Vapar's visit, the consistent message that he's been proclaiming for the last two years or so is the need for us to continue to engage and to engage as members of the church, not a one-way relationship where we're simply in receive mode from the clergy, but to engage and be in dialogue, in communion with our clergy. So that came across clearly to me. And on that message of engagement, it's most important and the top priority being the engagement of the youth. And that resonated with me and resonated with a lot of people. And as a 
primary example of that and the need for the youth to engage, Tamar Kanarian from Boston, from the greater Boston community, was asked to speak and represent the youth perspective. And we're going to be speaking to her now. So with that, let's introduce our guest, Tamar Kanarian from Boston. During the 20th anniversary celebration of the pontifical events in New Jersey on October 9th, we heard the voice of the youth, and the voice of the youth was, was presented to us by our good friend Tamar Kanarian, who is joining us on the phone. Hello, Tamar, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I was so proud just sitting there and listening to you, listening to your message that you delivered that day. Um, I'm not even talking about the way that you delivered your confidence, but I'm talking about your command of Armenian because half of your message was in Armenian and then seamlessly you went to English and you just, the audience were mesmerized by your presentation. Let's not forget that Hyde as well, that the Vehapat even acknowledged that in his remarks and saying this is the model we need for Armenian youth here in America, those who could be conversant professionally in Armenian and in English. Very impressive, Tamar. Thank you very much. Thank you. So what made you to come up with a great message that you had that day? Um, it's, it was actually overwhelming when I was asked by Sirbazan, our leader in the, in the summer, to be the voice of the youth. That's a lot of pressure. Um, you mean Oshagan Sarpazan? Oshagan Sarpazan, yeah, very casually. And I, and I was like, okay, let me think about it. And you would think, great, youth, we have certain uh, priorities, things we like to do, things that are important to convey to the youth, and vice versa. But to present it in front of the hapas is, is such pressure. And you need to be really concise in the point and also acknowledge Vahapar's commitment to the youth and the work that he's done over the course of the 20 years. We were obviously there to celebrate his accomplishments, his service to the church. Um, but I think one thing I wanted to get across to the audience in the room that night was our church to be around for future generations. It's not going to continue for, um, with the work being done by those who already serve the church. We really need to bring in those who are either going to our daily Saturday schools, Sunday schools, who tag along with their parents to certain events. Um, these are the people that are going to make sure our churches and communities are around for, for future generations in Armenian. Um, so I wanted to make that point across because the, the folks that are working in the church now need to teach us and we need to be receptive, but then they also need to be receptive to what we can bring to the table and how we can help them, you know, introduce new ways of doing work when our churches were built decades and decades ago. It was with nothing, and what our fathers, grandfathers, great-grandfathers did was incredible with the little means that they had, and now that we, you know, everyone has a phone attached to their hand and a tablet and all these other things, and other ways of 
bringing income and whatnot, we should be able to build upon what our ancestors did in, in so much simpler ways. Sure. One thing that was very interesting, Tamar, um, was the fact that, you know, you would expect someone to get up and speak about the accomplishments of um, Aram Vapar for the past 21 years. And you did that in a sense, but you also were able to bring the voice of the youth, you know, um, some of the expectations of... And when I say youth, I know we're talking about maybe um, our generation here. But the other interesting thing that you were able to do was to bring in your own personal experiences and to tell us some of your personal stories, which I think was um, was genius, was really, really w- well received. I think for people to understand what I was trying to say, you kind of have to have to give a little bit of your background and your connection so people can put two and two together. Tom, uh, most of our listeners probably don't know you. Can you tell us a bit about yourself and your background and the fact that you're an American-born Armenian that was educated here? Just tell us a bit about your roots and, and what's brought you so close to the church and why you feel such passion for the church. Sure, of course. Um, as you mentioned, I'm American-born, so I was born and raised in the Boston area. I was very fortunate to attend an Armenian elementary school, St. Stephen's Armenian Elementary School in Watertown, Massachusetts, um, up until from nursery to fifth grade. And the, the school is um, currently in its 32nd or 33rd academic year. Um, so I went there, graduated from fifth grade, and continued in the public school systems um, in, in the area, college, uh, whatnot. I grew up in the, in the AYS. I learned, you know, from there I moved to the ANCA. And, of course, church was an everyday part of my life. And one thing for me that was important to convey to everyone in the room so they know is I, my, my childhood was a bit unique in that my grandfather was a dead height um, of my parish. So I had that uh, inside scoop, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> inside scoop, I, I just knew a lot of what was going on. Um and it was expected of me to go to Sunday school. And, you know, when my parents went to help out at the annual bazaar, I was going to go help out at the annual bazaar. Annual picnic, I was there passing out soda cans and, and all that stuff. Um, and that's where I also uh, got to interact with and be in the presence of other clergy members. And, and my, the other unique thing is I grew up with a lot of clergy members who were actually family members as well. Um, so I literally have grown up surrounded with dead hives coming in and out of my grandparents' house for dinner or meetings or visits. And it's really, it was really cool to see such our clergymen in, in such positions just, you know, come over and have regular conversations with them. You know, Karakin Vehapar, when he was, um, to go to the Holy See of Philistia on his very first pontifical visit. He helped me do my Armenian homework. Um, hmm. That's great. <laughs> yeah. And Mr. would always come for Palm Sunday, um, do Badalak at our church, and then come over for lunch. So um, I feel really privileged to be around that and learn from them. And at the same time, be surrounded by uh, our church volunteers who, who help build our communities and, and learn from them. And, and what's really... Spe- Important to me too, and special that I I cannot work with them. They're teaching me, and I need to learn from them too. Whether it's the history of our policy and our church, and 
how the, our specific churches were built, the different dynamics in the community. Um, so I feel lucky that that those older generations have allowed me to do to do that and work with them. Um, and for me, the church, you know, I went to Sunday school um, and uh, went went through the ranks there. And I, I liked what I really liked about being involved in church is that a lot of families came together. Everyone was there for a common purpose, whether it was if they have emotional attachments to one event or the actual, you know, just the church physical aspect or just um, whatever it is, the church has done something for everyone and we would all come together for that common purpose. Summer, let me ask you a question. You're, you're reflecting about your um, experience with your uh, and your family and the household at large yeah. with your uh, with your uh, grandfather. But let me ask you this: When did the church or the Armenian church, let's say, or even God, became your own experience? Was there a time where you felt that there was a transition from this being part of the family into becoming something personal? When you wanted to be part of this. You know, not because of your family, but you found yeah. a value in being part of this. Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, I don't know if it was there's one specific moment. Um, I mean, I will admit, Sunday school is not my most favorite thing. Um, but even throughout high school and college, it, it was just something that we did. But I think it was right after college, um, I started, I joined the choir, actually. The, the choir director had asked me for years and years, just come to sing, and, and I didn't. But right after college, I was like, I have really nothing to do except to find a job. I'll sing in the choir. And I think just from there, um, I just, it became more regular for me, and I started to be a little bit more consistent. Um, and I think it just, I something, I don't know if it was something that clicked, but I knew work needed to be done. And it was important for me for this, my home parish, my church, to, to be around and to help serve other people. Um, I've always been in, you know, helping at different events, but the actual being asked to serve on a formal body um, and then now be representative to the assembly wasn't until about five years ago. Um, so there, I don't think... It's hard to say if there's one specific moment where I was like, this is it. And right now you are you are part of the Board of Trustees, right? I'm a member of the Board of Trustees. Uh, I serve currently as a secretary. Uh, I'm uh, almost at the end of my fourth year. Uh, and I, uh, last year, was elected as a uh, member of the National Representative Assembly. And you guys did a wonderful job last year when um, you hosted the NRA and... Um, Valpar concluded his his visit last year uh, at Boston. And yeah, that was fun. Yeah, it was it was a it was a very busy ten days, but very uh, enriching, very momentous, very um, fun. Uh, it was a lot That's of it was a lot of good emotion. Tamara, what would be your message? Generally, we ask this question to the broader community, but I think I'd like to narrow the focus on what would be your message to other youth people who maybe you're following your path to encourage them to engage and to be part of the church and to be part of the church experience. We all go to church for whatever reason, whether it's Christmas, Easter, participating in sacrament. And someone doing that, obviously the church means something to you. It doesn't have to be huge, it could be small. Ask yourself, what does it mean to you? And if it means something to you, 
um, try to help make it better. The longevity of our church really relies on us. And we're not, I'm, I certainly would not ask someone to be part of a huge activity and they're in charge of it. Absolutely not. I think it, it takes steps. And I think it's important for us to serve as mentors and encourage them and teach them. Um, but I would just ask to give it a try. For me, it, it, it means it's our community. It means it, it's service. It's connecting with God, helping others. Being Armenian, I think a lot of people, too, can relate to that. My church community is my other family, and that's really important to me. I had a meeting last night, and I really enjoyed going to those meetings, as crazy as that sounds, but we're all working together for the betterment of our church, of each other, of, of our policy, of Hayastan. It's, it, it takes a lot of us, and it's, and it's everyone works together. It doesn't feel like work. It's enjoyable. I think that's an excellent message. And that, why don't you tell us what do you do? What What is your day job, Tamar? <laughs> what is my day job? Yeah. Enough, no. <laughs> I work at Tufts University. I am an event planner for university advancement. So a lot of uh, the events I primarily focus on for are for donor cultivation recognition stewardship. Uh, so um, I actually have to thank church and my time in AYF because that's essentially what helped me get my job. All the events that I've been a part of and done and the people I've, types of people I've worked with and being in meetings all essentially helped me get my job. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much for giving us your time and uh, being on Thank the phone you. for this. Thank you. Thank you, Tamar. May God continue to bless you, and we'll look forward to seeing you uh, sometime at New York. Yes, I'm looking forward to it, definitely. All right, Tamar. Thank you very much. Thank you. Let's read and reflect on the Word of God. Today's reading is from the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John chapter 15 verses 11 through 16. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whenever you ask in my name, the father will give you. The Gospel of the Lord. Beautiful passage from the Gospel of John. And we know this is taking place, this conversation, or rather the sayings of Jesus taking place right after the Last Supper with his disciples, where he said a lot of things to, to, to his disciples. And we read about that in the Gospel of John. John was able to record that, or to even memorize it and bring it to us. And the setting is very important there because mm -hmm. Jesus knows that this is the last time that I'm having this kind of conversation with my disciples and here are all the important things that I, that I want to tell them. So this comes from uh, that setting and it's, it's loaded with so many things for, uh, for us to uncover. I'm not sure how, how deeply we're going to go through the reading. But um, first thing that, you know, it's very important for me is the theme of joy. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you 
and that your joy may be complete. We know that Jesus is about to be arrested, to be crucified, but yet he is speaking about joy and he expects the disciples to have joy. To me, this is such an important theme and it's been only lately that I kind of discovered this whole, and I'm using this, these words very cautiously here, but spirituality of joy. The fact that our relationship with God is a joyous experience. Uh, and, you know, and I'm not um, speaking about constantly being happy and, you know, drunk and stuff like that, but experiencing real joy and having a relationship with God. And that in itself is such an... What's changed for you, Dad Hyde, that you feel that your experience and your relationship with God has gone to that next level? I would say maybe maturity. Um, growing up, mm -hmm. as we all do. But also certain readings, uh, the directions of my readings have helped me to come to a point where initially this was missing. And, you know, our relationship with our Heavenly Father is something that we learn about in uh, in our daily life there a lot there are a lot of people who when they speak or they think about god the image that that comes into their mind is probably um the image of their father their own father um, for us uh, being part of the, um, the seminary and i started there when i was young probably it's um, the hierarchy, the bishops, the vartabets, you know, and there was always this serious uh, atmosphere there. And, you know, um, now I'm able to kind of discern and to try to find God in a more objective way, um, trying to put aside all the subjectives in it. And there's no way that we will get there because ultimately uh, the subjective is always present there. But it's been a great journey for me. And... I encourage everyone to try to find that sense of joy in having a relationship with God. Uh, and especially in the setting of, uh, of our church, in the Armenian church, when um, we have the opportunity to make Jesus to be part of our DNA every Sunday when we come here and get the Holy Communion. That's the closest relationship that you can have with, but that's not should, that should not be the only uh, relationship because... Well, of course, you always emphasize to us that it's more important what we do between the Sundays and how we conduct our lives and whether or not we, we follow the, the guidance that's given to us directly in these verses, that joy may be in you and that you love each other as I have loved you. And I suspect, I, I was going to ask you actually, these words are intended for us as the reader as well or was this to be interpreted in the context of, of Jesus speaking to the disciples? Well, uh, we need to always remember the, f uh, the Grand Commission, the final commandment that Jesus gave to his disciples, something that we read in the final chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, uh, where he says, make disciples of all nations. He was speaking to his disciples and he was commissioning mm -hmm. them to make us, everybody, disciples. So if this, this passage was uh, spoken to the disciples, naturally it is given to us as the disciples so um, we cannot possibly have a spiritual life we cannot possibly have a relationship with God if we fail um, to show 
and live a life of love and forgiveness. Now one more thing along the same theme. Jesus says, I have called you friends because everything that I've learned from my Father I've made known to you. How do we establish that friendship? Because I could tell you, I think we're all God-fearing. And having that, the expression that you gave earlier, the love and the, the joy that you feel from that relationship. And I take it to the next step, which is trying to build that friendship with Jesus. How, how does that happen? I know that's a very complex question, but just give me like in a nutshell how you, how you can make that happen. That's an excellent question. Back in the day in the Old Testament, the relationship was based on fear. You need to fear God because of the consequences of the sinful life that you lived. But with Jesus, the fear is replaced with love. You know, um, we all have loving relationships with um, our significant others, with our children, with our parents, and there are a lot of times when we there are things that we avoid doing because we don't want to upset the one that we love. So love replaces fear, and that love is something that can grow. And bottom line, you know, every friendship is... It starts with... Uh, infatuation and it's pursued and the relationship of love is developed and established at some point it, it is the same in our spiritual life you know uh, people who start reading the bible who just start coming to church there are the ones who are just interested but uh, there are the others who are swimming they are in that pool of being part of the relationship and it's very interesting there was an image and when we are when we were doing the alpha with the youth there were people who were swimming and there were people who were lounging and i asked that question to the participants which one are you some some of the participants said oh i'm the one who's swimming and others said i'm the one who's lounging there were other who were just testing the water others who were jumping in you know sometimes we are in in, in the thick of it we're, we're swimming Sometimes we are just lounging. So that up and down in our relationship with, uh, with God is something that is expected. God knows us very well, and he knows that we will have ups and downs. But at the end of the day, I think the question that we will have to give an answer to would be, how much did we try? And that is really important. So I encourage uh, all our listeners not to give up. There will be time when we are discouraged, but God is always waiting for us, and he, he is our friend. He wants to nurture a friendship with us. The hymn today is called Asvazazin Yaknayin. This is a hymn that is dedicated to the Holy Virgin Mary. I hope you will enjoy listening to this hymn. We will be back, God willing, in two weeks. In the meantime, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Mr. Dr. Carlo Bayraktarian, I'd like to thank all of our listeners. Thank you, Ve, and thank you, Greg, for all the great work. I pray that the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ will be always in your hearts.
Today's podcast was brought to you by Dr. Carlo Bayraktarian. If you'd like to sponsor future episodes, please contact the St. Sarkis Church office at 718-224-2275.